0: Welcome to the Palace Perspective. The Palace Perspective is brought to you by Palace Capital Advisors, a comprehensive wealth management firm with locations in the northeast specializing in financial and estate planning solutions, investment management strategies and family office services for high net worth families across the country.
1: Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome. My name is Shannon Smith, and I'll be the co host today, along with my colleague, James Landry, for today's discussion with Chris Hennessy of Putnam's Business Advisory Group. Today, we will be discussing year end planning, the impact of the election, and a state and the income tax landscape. I've had the pleasure of seeing Chris speak a couple times over the years and always been very impressed with his vast knowledge and insights. We are in a, for a real treat today. We will be taking questions after the discussion, so please submit any questions you may have in the box underneath your screen. First, let me begin by giving you some background information on Chris. As I mentioned, he's a member of Business um, Business Advisory Group, which is the company's National Speaking Bureau. He also serves as Professor Emeritus of Law at Babson College. He is a member of the American Bar Association, the Massachusetts Bar Association, the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants, and the Massachusetts Society of Certified Public Accountants. Also, an interesting fact I learned today, he is a private instrument rated pilot and does flights for um, angel flight, angel flight missions, which is really interesting and something I've heard he's really proud of. Um, Today we are covering a vast amount of topics, so let's just get into it. It's hard to believe it's December 5th, not much more time left until year end, so we're going to be covering items you should be thinking of prior to 2023. Some of these items we're going to be covering will be charitable giving and donor advised funds, qualified distributions from your IRA, utilizing annual gift tax exclusions prior to year end, Roth conversions the mass millionaire's tax for mass residents, as well as changing domiciles to avoid high income tax states, and then reviewing your IRA beneficiaries. Prior to that though, we're gonna have Chris read his Washington tea leaves and leverage his vast connections in Washington to try and let us know what he sees coming down the pipeline. Any tax increases we should be expecting. And he's gonna cover Secure Act 2.0. What's the status of that? And then forgiving college debt, is that now canceled? And then finally, what is impact, what's already in the law that will impact everyone? What are the key provisions of the 2017 Tax Cuts and Job Act that are scheduled to sunset on December 31st? So without further ado, let's take it away.
2: Chris, uh, welcome. I'll just echo uh, Shannon's thanks for being with us today and uh, really happy to have you and looking forward to learning today. Thanks, James. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And so why don't we talk a little bit about what's going on in Washington, D.C., and we'll talk about what's really on everyone's minds, and that's what happened in the month of November, early November elections, right? Results. Right. So what are you seeing down in uh, Washington right now? And it's not even over yet because we have a runoff election yeah. tomorrow. I know. To Georgia. I'll come back to
3: that in a second. So uh, clearly the House, 222 Republicans, the majority in the House is 218. Uh, the Senate will be Democratic. It'll lead to be 50-50 or 51-49. If you're Republican, it makes a difference. Because if it's 50-50, there are sharing agreements. Mm. Uh, chairmanships and committee members are shared. Mm-hmm. But let's just talk about the consequences of the House being Republican. The first thing you're going to see is hearing after hearing after hearing because yeah. the Republican chair people have yeah. subpoena power. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen with this Twitter deal. Yeah. <laughs> and Elon yeah. Musk, but yeah. something is going to happen. But a more consequence, James, is it's highly unlikely we will see any tax changes between now and at least through 2024 into 2025. Okay. And the reason for that is the Republicans control the House. Tax legislation begins in the House of Representatives. Mm -hmm. They're not going to increase taxes. Now, having said that, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act does expire, sunset, the end of 2025.
2: And a lot of the provisions in that act... Apply to everyone.
3: That's really, Not just a select few. Right. Individuals right. and businesses. Yeah. So I would not be surprised at all to see the Republicans have a piece of legislation somewhere in 2024. That's the last year they'll right. for certainty have mm-hmm. the House and extend tax cuts and jobs act with that legislation. Presumably, the U.S. Senate, uh, being controlled by the Democrats, would not go along with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we do have two renegade members. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Renegades, my term, by the way, <laughs> Joe Manchin and right. Sinema, yeah. D- Democratic, Democratic yep. senators. Right. We don't know what they're going to do. But in right. any event, uh, I think there might be a compromise coming out of that legislation because there's a very important election in November, 2024. Right. And mm-hmm. the Democrats do not want to be put in a position of saying, here right. they go again. The Republicans saying they're going to increase taxes for the middle class if they don't keep tax cuts and jobs act going. So there could be more gridlock, in other words. Yeah, gridlock is interesting, too, because uh, the markets historically have done well with mm. gridlock because somewhat certain. now having said that, Joe Biden goes way, way back with Mitch McConnell. Mitch mm. McConnell will be the minority leader in the Senate. So I wouldn't be surprised to see legislation maybe around immigration, mm. maybe around education, maybe around other issues. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to be total gridlock over the next
2: uh, three or four years. I know one of the uh, provisions of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, uh, which limited the state and local tax income deductions to $10,000 on the federal return, that's been talked about, particularly with Republicans as being repealed, changed. What are you seeing there? Any activity? Sure, great question, James. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, who presumably will be
3: Speaker of the House, will have a very difficult job because yeah. between the states of New York and New Jersey, there, I think, Thirteen members of the House, that are Republican, mm. they're going to push to repeal that because they want to yep. be reelected in right. right. two years. I, I think that's going to be problematic to repeal it. The cost to all of us as taxpayers to repeal it about eighty-five billion a year, mm. and if it is repealed, twenty mm-hmm. percent, uh, the ninety percent of the benefit goes to the top twenty percent of taxpayers. Now maybe. You could repeal it with income guardrails. In other words, yep. it's repealed if your income is under a certain amount, 400000 uh, yeah. something like that, James. Right. But I do not expect it to be repealed. Okay. So it will presumably sunset if we don't keep Tax Tax and Jobs Act going at the end of 2025 and in 2026, we go back to where we were, full deductibility of state and local tax.
2: Right. And some uh, you know, high tax... Income tax rate states have been proactive because they're concerned about you know their residents leaving their right, states right. and allowing for them to deduct, particularly small business owners, yes, to circumvent this limit. Can you talk a little bit about that. Sure. There's yeah. something
3: called the salt workaround. Right. It only applies to generally to pass through entities, S corps, LLCs. These are businesses. Yep. And basically, what happens is is the business itself, the actual entity, pays your state income taxes. let's say my state income tax is from the entity of 50 grand. So they pay that to the particular state I'm in. And then I get credit for that on my state return. But that reduces my income from that entity by 50,000. Right. Not by the $10,000 salt limit. Right, right, right. So in effect, I'm getting a $50,000 reduction in income, which is the equivalent of a $50,000 deduction, no $10,000 salt limit. There are actually about 30 states now that have done this. Yeah,
2: quite a bit. Massachusetts is one of them. Massachusetts is one. But
3: Mass is kind of funny. You yeah. only get ninety percent credit, ah. so I don't get the fifty. I get forty-five.
2: Massachusetts, so it's not always smart to do yeah. it in mass. You okay, do the math. So talk with your income tax preparer. Right, get good advice. Right, but it might be an opportunity there for at the year end, people will be thinking about. That is it. correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay, yeah, that's absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah, might be an opportunity. What, what you know, speaking of the tax cuts and jobs jobs act, under current law, as you said, there are certain provisions that sunset would the salt be one of those provisions that would sunset salt would salt be limitation. one. limitation. I yeah. just
3: want to remind everyone of what I affectionately call Alpha Mike Tango. Uh oh. you don't want to know what that is? Yes. It's called the AMT tax. Yes. I call it Alpha Mike Tango because you're a pilot because it's yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But it's not an alternative and it's not a minimum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: right. However,
3: AMT is still with us, however, it's only affecting a small number of taxpayers now. But when tax cuts and jobs that goes away, if it does go away, it'll affect a lot more taxpayers. And if you're in AMT, about seven mm. million is the forecast for county of twenty twenty-six. Right. If right. you're in AMT, you are not able to deduct state income tax. Right. You're not able to deduct real estate taxes. Right. Right. Uh, but that's only presumably going to be seven million people. Okay.
1: What are the other major provisions that are going to be sunsetting as well? Besides, well,
3: yeah, yeah. sure it's a good question. Uh, everyone should think about the fact that twenty twenty-six it's likely their taxes will go up in a lot of situations. The reason being that the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act brought down the marginal tax rate from 39.6 to 37 at the top, but also increased the threshold dollar amounts to get there. And I just, I printed a tax rate chart. I'll just give you an example. So right now to get into 37% marginal rate, you gotta be over 647,000 of income on a married return. Mm -hmm. But in 2026, that number is going to drop to 518,000. Wow. So that's a big difference. That so that's one. A second and one. And it's 39.6% right.
2: as well. well so that's double exactly the right. double right. the thing. Right. right, okay.
3: Obviously, we talked <clears throat> about another, which is SALT. A third, which is interesting, is the standard deduction. Uh, the way oh, yeah. this works is that you either itemize your deductions. Most people only really have charity, uh, mm-hmm. maybe mortgage interest, and the SALT limit. Or you take the standard amount, whichever is higher. Uh, the standard amount has gone up now. It's 28,700 if you're 65 year old. The next year it's even higher. That's going to come back down again mm-hmm. in 2026. So that's an important one that'll impact a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, and, and there are others, but those are probably the key
2: mm-hmm. ones to watch out for. Right. This doesn't require any legislation. This is current law. We're talking about right, this is law. happening. Right. No. So given. That there's no change in Washington, that will be the case when that we break up case. on January first. That's right. The, the other one that I should mention, we're going to
3: talk more about it, state and gift tax amount. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the current estate gift tax exemption or exclusion amount is 12 million sixty thousand. Twenty twenty-three that'll be twelve point nine million. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That will sunset. And in twenty twenty-six, depending on inflation, it'll probably be about six point five million per person. So that's an important one.
2: So for ultra wealthy individuals are looking at ways to transfer wealth down a generation. There's a window of opportunity that will close or at least partially close on January 1, 2026. So yeah, absolutely right. I know a lot of advisors are getting in front of clients and saying, hey, look, if you can afford to give now, is is, is it's time to look at that. Exactly right. Yeah. You know, uh, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, uh, Chris, signed in 2017 by then President Trump two years later, Another major piece of legislation, the Secure Act, twenty nineteen. Yes. So the Secure Act changed a few things, but one of the major things that changed was how we deal with beneficiaries of IRAs, correct? And timing of distributions. Talk to us a little bit about sure. what's been going on there. So before Secure
3: Act, if you left an IRA to children, and children are now designated as non-eligible designated beneficiaries. Mm. Hmm. Those kids could actually take a small amount out each year for the rest of their lives based on their age, life expectancy. That is gone. Yeah. And now that has been replaced by what is called the 10-year rule, meaning that if I leave the IRA to my kids, they have to take the entire amount out of the account by the 10th year following my death. And recognize income and, and recognize tax income tax. accordingly. Now, in planning, in a lot of cases they might be smart to take money out each year. Right, uh, <laughs> small amount depends on the tax bracket. Yeah. You got three kids times ten right. years—that's thirty tax returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other cases, I often use an example: if I had three children, and one is on Wall Street in the top bracket, and the other two are lower income school teachers, for example, don't get paid enough, mm. uh, then I don't want to leave a big IRA to the kid on Wall Street. Yeah. I want to leave it to the school teachers. <laughs> And then the kid on Wall Street should get assets that have a good capital gain step up at death. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So the SECURE Act has changed the way we think about planning. And there's even a possibility. There's a proposed regulation that says if I die after my required beginning date, which is age 72, right, then
2: the kids actually have to take money out in years one through nine. Yes, there's a lot of confusion about that. I think the IRS added to the confusion. <laughs> they did. A little they bit. to do that. Yes. <laughs> they, so they, I understand for those right. very unique cases, right? <laughs> My IRA owner was over age 72, left it to a child, right? Um, the IRS confused the issue so much that they gave everyone a mulligan 2021 and 2022 and exactly. said, you don't have to take anything out. We're, but going forward after 2023, yep. then we we have to. So, Correct. yeah, right. yeah, it's confusing. So, again, tax talk to your income tax advisor right. to make sure you're not right. tripping a wire and taking money out of your IRA, your inherited IRA. Right, really important. If yeah. you have uh, one child,
3: let's say, that's a spendthrift and you didn't want to leave the IRA mm-hmm. directly to them to mm-hmm. begin with and you yeah. need your yeah. trust, You've got to review right. that. That may right. not work well anymore.
1: Thank you. We've been hearing a lot about Secure Act 2.0. What is that? What, do you, you know, so what are the three continu- key provisions? Yeah.
3: That's a continuation of Secure Act One. Let me give you the background. Yeah. This is great legislation, bipartisan support. Mm-hmm. has passed the House, okay. has passed Senate Finance, has not passed the U.S. Senate. By all indications, it mm-hmm. will be voted on in this lame duck session of Congress by mm-hmm. the Senate it will pass. It does a lot to help auto-enrollment in 401k, 403b plans. It mm. will gradually raise the required beginning distribution age from 72 to 75. That'll take 10 years to fully raise it. Okay. There are some differences, by the way, between the Senate bill and the House bill that will mm. have to be resolved. It will increase the catch-up amount uh, it'll
2: do some other things to Roth accounts and so on. so it's good legislation yeah good and you like you said bipartisan support yes, so James, yeah. very like that's great yep yeah. did canceling student debt get canceled yeah, where I, are I, we with that, is that happening almost that happen? <laughs> here's
3: the quick background a circuit court of appeals canceled it yeah they've decided three zero vote uh happened biden exceeded his thought right uh, then there was a District Court, Federal District Court judge in Texas said the same thing. That was affirmed by the appeals court. And guess what? The U.S. Supreme Court will hear this in February. February yeah. Interestingly, mm-hmm. Wall Street Journal, I saved the article, a COVID emergency surprise. The United States Senate voted by a resolution, 62 votes, 12 Democrats, that the emergency is over. Yeah. And Biden right. is relying on the emergency and the HEROES Act. Right, Act. Mm-hmm. to give them the authority, to give them the authority right. to cancel the debt. I, I would be surprised if the U.S. Supreme Court allows this. By the way, the cost around four hundred and fifty billion over ten years. Yeah,
2: well, that's yeah. I, I, I've heard some folks say, and, and this is not to be on one side of the aisle or other, that the Biden administration may not be terribly disappointed if it doesn't. That's get. right. So because of the cost, but I, I will say is the Supreme Court is to hear it in February, as you mm-hmm. said but not probably going to make a ruling until June. So you have this sort of, you know, half a year of uncertainty, but I would guess that most students or people that have college debt should be thinking about getting ready to pay on that student debt yeah. as of July next year.
3: And James, because of what you just said, the, the White House has extended the moratorium on having to pay back these mm, loans. That's right. I right. think now through the end of the year, I can't quite remember. If it's
2: well, like I think it's at least till June back. next, year, right? June, yeah. next yeah. year. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, it's June. Yeah. 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 And that's the reason. Right, that's right, reason. right. Okay. Well, stay tuned, I guess, stay right? Yeah. Okay. Please. So here we are at year-end yeah. planning, right, Shannon? I know you're talking to all kinds of clients about things they can be doing uh, for, you know, yeah, right. right. Next couple of weeks for that holidays. It's it's almost over, right? <laughs> um. So Chris, from your vantage point as, as a tax practitioner, as a lecturer, what are some blocking and tackling that people should be thinking about as we come into year end to set themselves up for at least avoiding any surprises in April of, of 2023 when they uh, start preparing their returns sure, or finish sure. preparing their returns?
3: Right. Well, there's two or three easy ones. Uh, one easy one is when do you pay your fourth quarter estimated tax payment mm-hmm. to the state you live in? Yeah. If you have state income yeah. tax, yeah. you can pay it now and deduct it this year, 2022. Oh. You can pay it in January, deduct it in 2023. Oh yeah, And that's just simply projecting what you think your right. tax situation is going to be this year versus next.
2: And that's true with other yep. items too. Mm-hmm. That's like paying ahead on your mortgage, maybe yeah. an extra payment and you get the interest, you know, that's right. deductible. Right, And right. along with that is right. charity.
3: This yeah, is sure. the time of year most people make Charitable gifts, I certainly do, mm-hmm. uh, and so again, you kind of think about your tax bracket, but you think about something else. If I'm using that standard amount, that standard deduction amount of twenty eight thousand seven hundred, yeah. then maybe I want to get over that amount. I want to okay. go higher, so maybe I triple up on charity this year. Yeah, that's going to save me money, and I do that using a donor advisor fund, sure. bunching your deductions, bunching my yeah. deductions. Exactly right. right. So, yeah. so the charity could get let's say i do 30,000 i typically do 10 Charity's still going to get 10 this year next year and the following year but i get a $30,000 deduction and again okay. that's a tax bracket play yep uh, where's my tax situation going to be this year versus next year now the one thing i can tell you we just published uh, at part of our tax rate chart and because of inflation the threshold dollar amounts have gone up a little bit so if your income's exactly the same and your deductions are exactly the same next year, your taxes should be a little lower next year. I would year think, yeah than they are this year. Right. So those are all so, year-in planning. And then of course the Roth conversion. Okay. Yeah. So never too late. Right. Never too late. The right. Roth conversion is interesting because y- you are converting typically an IRA into a tax-free IRA, the Roth. But you pick up that. Dollar amount of conversion is income on your return. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there are some strategies to try to offset that tax bite.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, one is okay. business owners can offset the conversion income with an operating loss. But there's another one that's very interesting. It's probably somewhat rare, but not as rare as you'd think. Nursing home care. So I'm in a, a nursing point. nursing home. I'm in. I don't qualify for Medicaid. Mm-hmm. I'm 78 years old. I have a million dollars in an IRA account. That's my only income is the distribution from that IRA. But my medical costs are 160000 mm. That's deductible Yeah, to the extent it exceeds 7.5% of your income. Right. So I've got a big deduction, a little bit of income from my IRA. Create more income
2: through a Roth conversion.
1: It's kind of counterintuitive to try and create more income. But right, right. It but worked opposite, for this. Yeah, yeah that's upset. Market. Speaking
2: yep. of counterintuitive, <laughs> um, losses can be something that can be a gain. Mm-hmm. Right. From a tax perspective, exactly. you know, sitting in here in 2022, it's been a tough year right. in the markets and a lot of portfolios have losses. We've been at Palace trying to capture losses. But what is that doing for clients? So, so what that's doing, James, is there are a lot of situations where you know, you've
3: got losses, but now is the time when you're getting capital gain distributions from mutual funds. Right. And you might have some <coughs> some some positions that are up. You offset the gains against the losses and, and Maybe you've got a loss situation, but you think that position's going to do fine. And you do what's called tax loss harvesting. You go into a similar position, but not one that's identical. Uh, and, yep. and that's very smart what you're doing right. to do that at this time of year before yep. the end of the year.
2: Because if you can't use the losses this year, you can use them perhaps in future years when you have right. Right. you know, capital gains or uh, I think losses can offset up to three. $3,000 $3, yep. of income. Yeah. 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 Well, speaking of uh, income taxes and dealing with change, right? This year, the at least in Massachusetts, the voters decided yeah. to pass into law this, they're called the fair share tax. Sometimes they call the Massachusetts millionaire's tax. Right. I know we have listeners that are outside of Massachusetts uh, as well listening in today. But, you know, what for Massachusetts isn't the only high state. You think of California, you know, Maryland, New, New Jersey, York. New York. You, what are people thinking about in ways to deal with these painful state income taxes so there's two strategies one's relatively
3: easy the other's not so easy okay A relatively easy one is move <laughs> <laughs> okay is
1: that easy i mean depends uh, yeah. on kids. I talk school. to
3: my wife to see how easy <laughs> that is yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just so everyone in the listening to the podcast knows there's an app that i use called tax bird t-a-x-b-i-r-d
1: that's the first one for me tracks
3: where i am every day by gps the Massachusetts rule, and this is similar to most states, I got to be out of mass 183 days. I can be anyplace else. They don't be, have to be consecutive. That's step one. Now, in my case, it's Florida. Step two is establish domicile there. Get a driver's license, register to vote, okay. get bank accounts, get doctors. A whole bunch of steps you have right, to do. Right. Now, as you just said, and Shannon's agreed, it's not easy if you have family here, you've got mm-hmm. grandkids, whatever it may be. Sure. So there's a much more advanced strategy. I see this a lot for people in New Jersey, for people in California called a NING, N-I-N-G. It's a Nevada trust. And I could actually transfer a portfolio into this trust. That portfolio transfer is not a gift. It's not complete for gift tax purposes, but is for income tax Mm -hmm. purposes. Mm -hmm. I don't want to move from California. So the beneficiaries are either my kids or I accumulate income in the trust, and the Nevada tax is zero. So in that case, I could be ahead 13.3% of that income. Some future day when my situation mitigates, maybe I move, I can get back the portfolio. right, right. Uh, the problem with the Ning, it's extremely advanced. There are no court cases on it. There are 15 years of private letter rulings. Does it work? Yeah, I think it does. New York outlawed it in 2014. Right. Mm-hmm. Connecticut as well. Connecticut yeah. as well. Yeah. California thought about loan, yeah. but they couldn't get the legislature. Right, right. Right, right.
1: Yeah.
2: But yeah. here in New England, we've used New Hampshire for yeah. that yeah. very purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. You... same thing. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's yeah, as you said, an advanced strategy, one that you would want to certainly talk with legal and tax counsel right. together right. on right. and uh make sure. So um, so we we uh we get some questions coming in to the webcast. It looks like we have one here. Is it too late to set up asset freezing options? I think it's kind of um, an estate planning question. That sounds what a like yeah.
1: a couple weeks left.
2: Yeah. Should we get so it in. It, 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 <laughs> it may be too late. It depends on the lawyers. <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: You, you could be out in the cold. Right. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting question because one little thing is you've got an annual gift tax amount. It's now 16000 It's mm-hmm. going to go to 17000 right. So it's a great time of year. Use up the sixteen. Usually, it's yep. kids or grandkids, yeah. and then immediately next year, do the seventeen. Yep. Another thing, grandparents love this five to nine college savings, sure. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you actually can front end them with five years of either the sixteen sure. or the seventeen. Yeah,
2: yeah. And if you do one in December, it's really six years. It, if you it's do really it December.
3: Six years, then... That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's another yeah. one that that, uh, but a major transfer maybe you can get it done uh, maybe you can get a trust set up
2: between right. now in the end of the year but it's getting close right it is yeah P- uh, state planning attorneys are very very busy this time of year
1: yeah especially here yeah. in massachusetts with what just passed
2: right right the
3: right. 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 well well the main is tax i mean i notes on it i did some research and I, and i do live close by here uh and it's all it's supposedly an impact 6 tenths of 1% of mass households mm-hmm. but again it, it could be a domicile issue it could be thinking yeah. about okay like let's say I'm a corporate executive and I have stock options mm-hmm. maybe I want to exercise mm-hmm. them this year not next year yep accelerate to, income to avoid an additional four percent yep. tax yep yeah uh, on, on the maintenance tax that's right yeah. so that's right there's some planning that you definitely have to think about yep yep Again, counterintuitive
1: um, you know accelerating that income tax you right. want to pay yeah. more taxes this year for mass residents if you can right. so next year
2: right so accelerate income, decelerate income. It really depends on your situation. It does. And where do it? you think you're going to be this year versus next it year, does, and yeah. where you live? Right. Uh, so a lot of factors to consider there. One more thing here, and this really um, business owners, right? Um, C corp. Versus S Corp. Um, what are some of the things that a business owner would think about that would be um, considerations when, when figuring out, do I C Corp, S Corp, LLC? Sure. From a tax planning standpoint, sure. I'm sure there are reasons that you'll consider one or the other for asset protection and liability and so forth. But from a tax planning standpoint, any considerations there? We should absolutely. Yeah.
3: So the the C Corp is a separate taxable entity. And the C-Corp rate is 21%. By the okay. way, that is not part of tax cuts and Ah, uh, okay. So for that to change would take a separate vote of Congress. So basically it's permanent. Right. <laughs> and that yeah. thing's the S-Corp rate depends on what your top tax rate is. Presumably it could be 37%. Sure. Yeah. That's a 16% spread. Or soon 39%. Or certain 39%. Yeah. That's a big spread. Now, right. some business owners get what's called the 199 alpha deduction. Right. That's a, another 20% deduction. But- it's still an 8% spread. Sure. So a lot of S's are thinking about going C. Now, there's another reason. If I'm a business owner and maybe I'm going to sell my business six, seven years down the road, I've got to consider being qualified small business stock.
2: Hmm.
3: Only C-Corp stock would qualify. Got to wait five years. Right. So want to get the clock going. Yep. And if I use this, I can exclude up to $10 million of gain on the sale of those shares. Okay. Wow. It's significant. It's very significant. Yeah. And and I can actually exclude more than 10 because it's 10 per taxpayer. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so is that that's federal. What about that's in federal. state level? Is that state level? Yeah. Most
3: states do not recognize qualified stock okay. as a stock. Uh, so it's, it's a federal thing.
2: Yeah. Use. Yeah. So uh, that's great. So just practically speaking, if a business owner thinks there could be a liquidity event right. in five or six years, hey, Let's look today, right, right look at, at what's the right type of entity to be in. So you set up yeah. yourself up for a tax right. efficiency in the future. Right. Um, great. Well, uh, yeah. Shannon.
1: Well, we are taking questions. So as I said, please submit your questions in the box below the screen and we'll be happy to answer them for you. Let's see if we have any coming in. Okay.
2: You know, one thing while we're waiting there is um, from a business owner standpoint, trying to accelerate expense items into the current year. Yeah. Something as practical as hey, but, if, if you're not planning on paying for this year, you can put on a credit card, pay right. that credit card bill next year, but yeah. it still counts as an expense for 2022. and other, deductible, yeah, right? The other
3: thing, if yeah. I was a business, owner, I look at it is what's called my 179 deduction. Oh, okay, expense. yeah. It's sometimes called bonus depreciation. Yeah. Uh, I can do over a million dollars in that, and and maybe I'm going to buy yep. this equipment anyway, sure. and this is a better year because maybe I had more income this year. Right. Profit. And again, it's just planning. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, another interesting item, uh, I don't know how many how many listeners would have this, but if I'm working for a company and I have company stock in the 401k plan uh, and I'm thinking about retiring, net unrealized depreciation, right. pulling those shares out to a regular account. Now, interestingly, right. some stocks are down in value. And when you use NUA, you pick up the cost, what you paid for those shares in the right. 401k plan. Right. Income. Right. You can reset the cost basis. Yep. Buy at a cost basis of 40, and now the stock is per share, and now the stock's trading at 10. I can sell all the shares in my 401k plan and buy them back at the new price of 10. Okay. And I avoid the wash sale rule. Yeah. So that's something people should consider if they're
2: in that situation. Net unrealized appreciation, NUA, NUA I've heard it called, you, call it, you right. know, so yeah. Um. And you have to, do you have to separate from service from the company yes, in order to do, do that? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, right.
1: <clears throat> all right. Looks like we have a question that came in yeah. about incentive stock options. So can you exercise incentive stock options without triggering AMT, which, you know, you renamed, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, what the risks of doing so? All
3: right. So ISO, incentive stock option planning, again, this is a good time of year to do so because what I would be looking at if I had ISOs, I'd be looking at exercising enough options where I don't cross over into AMT. Mm-hmm. Because those exercises are totally income tax-free. Mm. If I do crossover, then maybe I actually want to sell something like shares of stock to increase my income, mm-hmm. which increases the crossover point. Right. Uh, there is another thing I can do, a little technical, called a disqualifying disposition, mm. uh, and that would avoid the AMT, Shannon. So so this is a good time of year to review ISOs and, indeed, non-qualified options. Sure depending on what tax rate I'm in this
2: year versus yeah. next year. Yeah. I spoke to an individual uh, recently who has uh, a significant amount of non-qualified stock options. And he asked uh, me, you know, I feel like the stock price is where I want it to be. I'm thinking of taking these down this year or next year. What do you think? I said, well, look, if you like the stock price next year, you're going to pay 4% additional Massachusetts income yeah. tax on that. So you might want to take these down before the end yeah. of the year. Yeah, that's great. Point. Right. Yeah. So uh, yeah. uh, that was a no brainer almost, right. you know, so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So it looks like, do we have any other questions? No other questions? I think we're coming up on uh, time here. So Chris, uh, on behalf of myself and Shannon and the entire palace team, just want to thank you very much for being with us on the palace perspectives webcast. Uh, Your knowledge and insight are, are extremely helpful and I know useful as we turn the page on 2022, looking forward into the new year to our listeners. Thanks so much for participating and for sharing a few of your questions with us. For more specific questions about your particular situation, we do encourage you to reach out to us through our website, palacecapitaladvisors.com. As a reminder, any advice given on the Palace Perspectives webcast is general in nature. It's not intended to be specific to any particular situation. Each of you that have a question is encouraged to seek the advice of his or her tax and legal professionals concerning any matters Related to tax and legal considerations. Palace Capital Advisors LLC is a registered investment advisor. Any decision about investing should be undertaken only after careful consideration of the investment's risks, costs, liquidity, or lack thereof, in the investor's time frame. And certainly, thank you again for listening. We wish each and every one of you a safe and healthy holiday season. Thanks, and have a great day. Thanks so much, Chris. Thank you. Thank
1: man. you, Chris. Thank you. Right. Happy holidays, everyone.
2: Take care, everyone.
0: Palace Capital Advisors LLC and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You should consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances. These materials are provided for general informational and educational purposes, based on publicly available information from sources believed to be reliable. PCA cannot assure the accuracy or completeness of these materials. The information in these materials may change at any time and without notice. The information contained herein is for informational purposes only, is not personalized investment advice, and should not be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any particular security sector or strategy to any individual person or entity. Investment advice is offered through Palace Capital Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor.